Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Please, by your Holy Spirit, also reveal to us the good news of our true identity in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. True identity, secret identity. There's been a whole lot of films lately that kind of revolve around that idea of someone having a, a secret identity that is maybe revealed to the world or maybe not. You think of the Spider-Man in, in the Marvel comics and all the superhero uh, kind of movies where mostly the superhero doesn't let anyone know their real identity. Like they have this... Uh, normal, ordinary persona, but behind it, they're Spider-Man or someone like that. In this passage in the Gospel of John, we see both true identity and, and something that is revealed about who Jesus really is, but also about who we are as well. I think one of my favorite stories about true identity is... The Narnia story by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And in that story, Edmund, a young man who goes into the magical world of Narnia, betrays his brothers and sisters, brother and sisters, to the white witch, the evil figure in the story. But later on, Edmund himself is redeemed by Aslan, who is the Christ figure, and at the end, Edmund gets a new name. As the four children are crowned the kings and queens of Narnia, Edmund is crowned King Edmund the Just. King Edmund the Just. I love that because it shows that despite Edmund's failings, his a huge, not just, not just a mistake, it was a deliberate choice to betray his brother and sisters, Aslan is able to give him a new and renewed identity, King Edmund the Just. And I've always, I've always kind of seen a little bit of myself in, in King Edmund the Just because I know that I'm not a perfect person and that I've often rebelled against God and yet God still, through Jesus, calls me justified, King Edmund the Just. It's a lovely story. In John chapter 1, the identity of Jesus is very clearly laid out for us. In the other Gospels, in what we call the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the identity of Jesus is a bit of a mystery for quite a long time. Um, it, there's, it's kind of this secret that where Jesus says, don't tell anyone about who I really am. You know, um, don't let anyone know my true identity. But in the Gospel of John, we have it right there, full on in the first chapter. This is who Jesus is, kind of take it or leave it, and the rest of the story unfolds with that. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 34, John the Baptist again says, this is the Son of God. There's, there's no ambiguity here. The identity of Jesus is just really clear here in John chapter 1. In 
John chapter 1, verse 41, um, one of the characters, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, he says, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And both the word Messiah and the word Christ are titles for God's anointed one, the one that God has chosen and has, uh, and has anointed for his purposes. In John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip says to Nathanael, we've found the one that the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, that's another interesting title, which we'll unpack a little bit later as well. And then when both Philip and uh, Andrew meet Jesus, they say, Rabbi, and Rabbi means teacher, teacher, where are you staying? And then in John chapter 1, verse 49, Nathanael, who was initially skeptical, says, you are the son of God, <clears throat> you are the king of Israel. There we have six different titles which reveal to us the identity of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, Rabbi and King of Israel. But there's something else interesting that's going on here. It's not just about Jesus. Because when Jesus meets people, he sees them. He doesn't just look at them, but he sees them for who they really are, and he names them. So when Peter comes to Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, both Cephas and Peter are different uh, languages for the word rock. Rock, something solid, something immovable, something dependable. Not really what we see in Simon Peter throughout the rest of the gospel, is it? He, he doesn't get it. He argues with Jesus. He runs away. He denies being a disciple of Jesus. Not the kind of things that you would associate with being a solid, dependable, immovable rock, are they? And yet Jesus looks at him and he says, this may be who you were, but this is your true identity. You are Peter. You are the rock. And later Jesus says that Peter is the rock on whom he will build his church. And then Jesus sees Nathanael when Nathanael comes towards him. And he says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus knows what Nathanael said to Philip. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Surely not. You know, that's a hick town out there in Galilee. Jesus doesn't say, you cynical little bugger. Why, did you, why didn't you believe who I was? He looks at him and he sees him and he says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So Jesus names him and gives him an identity that is not necessarily who Nathaniel would have been or would have thought he was. So what's your true identity? Who are you really when it gets right down to it? As human beings, I believe that we both long for and dread someone really seeing us. 
We long for it because we are created by God for intimacy and for relationship. And at their best, human relationships have a glimpse of what it means to be truly seen and truly known. That's what God designed us for. But it's also scary, isn't it? Because if people can see us, if they can see who we really are, they might not like us, they might not approve of us, or they might even find out that we are deeply flawed, not perfect people. So there's a sense of shame there as well. If you really see me, if you really know who I am, will you still love me? Will you still think that I'm worthy? And that has happened ever since human beings first rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. In the book of Genesis, when Adam hears God walking in the garden after they've taken the fruit, he says, I heard you walking in the garden and I hid from you because I was afraid, because I was naked. We don't like that sense of vulnerability and of God actually seeing and knowing who we really are. But Jesus sees us both as we really are, with all of our flaws and failings and sin and shame, and as we are truly created to be by God, our true God-given self. Now, I'm not talking about human potential here, actually, but a God-given identity. Not just what you could be if you tried really hard, but who God has created you to be. I believe that this very thing is the reason that Jesus is so magnetically attractive to sinners in the Gospels. Usually, people who know that they are sinners will run a mile from religious types because they know that in religious types, they will often find someone who will judge them, who will look down on them, who will show up their unworthiness. And yet Jesus is exactly the opposite. In the Gospels, when sinners encounter Jesus, they are attracted to him. They can't keep away. And in fact, Jesus was described as one who eats with tax collectors and sinners. He hangs out with them and they hang out with him and they love hanging out with him. And I think it's because Jesus looks at them. He sees them for who they truly are. He does not judge them, but he evokes in them who God truly created them to be. So, for instance, in John chapter 8, we find a story of a woman who is caught in adultery. There's, there's a whole lot more that could be unpacked there. But Jesus says to her, I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and be who God really created you to be. You don't have to live that self-defensive, shameful, self-destructive way anymore. Well, it's true that Jesus also sees you and me, sees you fully and completely, but also evokes your true identity. Nothing like Spider-Man superpowers, you know, unfortunately, as fun as that might be for some of us to think about having superpowers like that, but to see and to evoke who God has truly created and intended you to be. So the son of God who sees and knows everything about you, including all of your sin and secret shame and failings, is also the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He carries it on himself. 
The king of Israel, who is able to judge and declare justly, is also the Messiah, God's anointed one, who is sent to bring forgiveness and restoration of your true identity and your true intimacy with God. The rabbi, the great teacher, the teacher above all teachers, is also the son of Joseph from Nazareth, a real human being who knows what it's like to go through human weakness and frailty, who knows what it's like, in fact, to be tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And that connects so much to the Old Testament reading that we heard that Tim read for us. In Isaiah 49, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And that, of course, relates to the nation of Israel and to God's servant Jesus, but it also relates to each of us. Before you were born, God called you. Before you were born, he knew your name, he knew your identity, and he knew your destiny to be with him. And also to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere, that includes us, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. You are truly God's holy people. You are the ones who are sanctified and called to be holy. You are the ones whom the Lamb of God has lifted off your sin and the sin of the world and called you holy, beloved children of God. And that is your true identity, my friends. Often we don't think of ourselves in those kind of terms. Who are you? I'm one of God's holy saints. That kind of sounds a bit, maybe a little bit up ourselves, doesn't it? But it's actually true. That's actually who God has created you and is redeeming you to be. Jesus sees you as you really are. He sees you fully and completely. And he names you and forms you as you are created to be. And I believe that's why we can be confident in inviting others to come and see Jesus. Just like Philip invited Nathaniel, when Nathaniel was a bit skeptical and he said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip just said, come and see. You know, come and encounter Jesus for yourself. Jesus can defend himself. He is magnetically attractive to people who are flawed and failing and who need to know their true identity in Christ. So who are you really? Let Jesus see you and know you and tell you who you really are. Beloved, forgiven, holy children of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.